Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Christopher Naoki Lee. Christopher is a Los Angeles native with a BFA in theater from New York University and has been working in the industry for nearly 25 years, recently wrapping up a season-long arc as Ken Yuruhara on the critically acclaimed AMC series, The Tear. He's recurred on Amazon's Too Old to Die Young and Jean-Claude Van Johnson, Apple TV's Mythic Quest, among others. Chris has written and directed digital series to pilots, but his feature film directorial debut dinner party is for more personal. He wanted to tell the story of a group of diverse friends, not dissimilar to his experience, that have to grapple grapple with the changing of their current times, where issues of race, gender equality, classism have come to the forefront of the modern conversation. His aim for this film is to help facilitate that dialogue even further, showing that there is always more than one side to his story and that we have become a beacon of positive change if we so choose to be. As a person of color, it's an honor for Chris Naoki Lee to depict such a diverse ensemble on screen with these incredible collaborators on Dinner Party. It truly takes a village. Christopher, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me, both of y'all. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, that is an amazing introduction. And the movie Dinner Party, I just want to hop right into it, right? Because yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, when Maggie was reading out the intro, I, I feel like this movie couldn't come, couldn't come at a better time, right? Mm-hmm. We're coming at a time where we're recognizing our cultural heritage, how to find allyships, how to find partnerships. And I just want to have you talk about the the movie and how it how it related to your upbringing. What and how did you in, get inspired to create this? Yeah, Oof. lots to unpack there, Brian. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best here. I would say, yes, dinner party has a lot of shades of kind of my own life of my a lot of uh, influences that have come from that direction, along with my co-writer Daniel Weaver as well. And when we you know, put our heads together. We, we came up with the story. Um, and I, I first reached out to him when I had this idea, it was all happening during the times when, uh, back in 2018, there was a very divisive hearing that was happening in America. Um, y'all might've heard about it. It was when, uh, it was during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and it was fairly divisive, you know, across like all state of, of America. And, you know, although I had a very specific point of view on that, uh, that was something that was a, a bit of an impetus in some ways where there was so much dialogue happening about it. And at the same time, I was thinking about this story that I wanted to tell about all my childhood friends that I grew up with, with a very simple logline. It's funny, movies can sometimes, or ideas can happen from a character. It can happen from a line. It can happen from a theme. It can happen from like a, a story beat. For me, it started from a simple, simple pitch, like a logline pitch, which was, if you met your childhood friends today, would you still fuck with them? And that was to me, it was like so simple because, you know, I grew up uh, in this, this little small, and we just talked about it, this small little town outside of LA called Calabasas, um, a very different version of that city way back in the day where I grew up in. 
but still it was a very predominantly more white or white passing uh, community. So a lot of my friends as diverse as they were, uh, but it also reflected the demographic that was, you know, of Calabasas. So, you know, my own upbringing certainly shaped how I viewed race, how I viewed uh, classism and sexism, all of it. Right. And not to mention that the time that I grew up 20, 30 years ago is a far different time than the time that younger people are growing up today, right? The things that they can talk about, the access of information and technology that they have that we didn't have in those times. Um, so all that to say, uh, we just, we were very different people back in those days. So what happens if, you know, you meet up today for like a reunion dinner um, and all these things are happening, how do you have that conversation? But then on top of that, you know, we added in this very specific story element, which was what happens if a, an inappropriate act, something that is black and white wrong uh, done to one of your female friends and then you have to talk about it in real time. So versus like you look at something on TV, you look at something that's happening like a court case versus something that's happening in your own tribe. And how do you have that dialogue? How do you have that discourse? Uh, that was to me the, the very, the most engaging thing about this film. Um, it kind of feels and reads like a play. And I, I give such a shout out to my, my actors, to, to my crew. Uh, we shot this film in four days. I, I can't stress this one enough. It was kind of crazy to shoot it in four days, but I couldn't have done it without stronger actors or a cast like that. They stepped up to the plate and uh, I'm, I'm so humbled to even just be here and talking about it because it's from their fruits of labor that I get to be here and, and talk about this great accomplishment that we did. Um, and, and ultimately hoping that, you know, kind of like your reaction, Brian was, it can incite something. It can incite just a form of dialogue that, that doesn't feel too heavy handed, but makes you want to be like, Hey, should we just talk about that for just a second of what we just watched? Um, and if you can do that, then, then I'm grateful. Wow. It's there. There's a lot of stuff to, to sort of break down that just there. The first thing mm -hmm. is four days. That, that, is, <laughs> that is pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I want to tell you. Yeah, I was uh, shout out to Imani, uh, my partner. She, she held it down for me. She was also a co-producer on the film, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely broke down like one or two times right before shooting because mm -hmm. it was very, very stressful. And, and like all things, right. They always just come together in the very end. Um, and you yeah. just don't know if it's going to, um, and mm -hmm. it did and stressful as hell. But, uh, but again, I, I, I have to say that if it wasn't for those actors, if it wasn't for that crew, I don't think it was possible. I, I so. honestly can't even imagine what kind of stress that you all yeah. went through to make this happen. Right. And yeah. I think the hardest part is like four days can communicate like a vision for what you wanted. Mm. It was like, it yeah. must, must've been very extremely difficult. Yeah. And, and this is just all like my guess, right. Cause I'm not really mm. familiar with the film industry. Right. How did you cast these members for your movie? Did you talk about their childhood experience? Did you talk about their personal experience? What was that one thing where you're like, they had to be in the script? Oh, great question. I would say that I had, I had about half of the cast already in my mind when I was writing it. So that was, that was helpful. Um, I have a lot of great friends who are actors who are phenomenal at what they do. They're on different shows or different films right now. And, um, you know, I was just basically crossing my fingers that after I finished writing it, that I can pass it to them and say, Hey, I would love for you to do this. Cause I was thinking about you for it. Um, and fortunately everyone that I did pass it to was 100% down and they all took very significant pay cuts because it's a very low indie budget film, but they resonated with that project. So that, 
was so humbling. I was super grateful for that. But there were about, I would say, three to four other roles that we didn't necessarily have people ready to go. Right. Um, so we, we certainly were uh, looking for the right people. And, and thankfully, again, I have a really great just uh, people within the network. I, I'll, a great example is uh, my friend Mayank. He is a casting director, but, you know, I, I also know that he's a great actor. So we were able to get him for the character of Rish. But for the character of Jen, who plays his girlfriend in the film, it was really tough for us to find because we didn't have someone in our Rolodex that we can just immediately reach out to. We knew that if we went through specific channels like an agent or a manager, it gets a little bit trickier because it's just more hoops. You know, you just have to jump through more hoops. Like they don't know me. They're going to be like, hey, you're going to read for a film that is of lower budget. Do you sure you want to do that? There's more ears, like there's more people talking into your ear, right? So it's better if we can get it to directly to the source. Uh, and Mayank had a great connection with this with this actor named Qasem Mohammed and uh, passed along to her. And she she was 100, you know, we had a conversation. Uh, she was interested. She was down. We, you know, again, like you said, we had that talk prior to, and then we did like a table read essentially. Um, and that kind of locked everything in. But like those sort of situations happened where I, I had to sort of trust another person to essentially find that that right connection, right? Um, and and in some ways we can't be too picky about it either because it is an indie film. It is low budget. It's not like we can go off and start asking for like Priyanka Chopra or anything and be like, hey, do you want to just hop into this? Um, so we understood that we had some limitations and challenges, but gosh, we were so fortunate. Like even Costa, right? I, I just saw her like uh, uh, last week, and I was so excited to get her uh, just because she's such a phenomenal actor. And we had we had good conversations during the rehearsal process. Like, you know, she she's the one actor who is American but plays British. So she was even talking about her accent and stuff. And and just even that character development was something that was very, very important to us. And and long story short, already too late. It's a little long, I know. But essentially, you know, we wanted to make sure that we gave enough agency and authenticity to all the actors playing these roles. Because straight up you know, it's two straight people writing a film about all these diverse perspectives and about sexual harassment. You need to make sure that we're doing our due, like we need to make sure we're doing our due diligence with everybody involved that have diverse point of views that it is feeling as authentic as possible, full stop. Uh, so that's that, that was something for us that was really, really important. And we're so happy that the actors all came in with, you know, they, they had ideas of how they wanted to approach the characters, but still fell in line with the vision of the film. And, you know, I trust, I had to trust them so much because like we just said, four days, uh, uh, simply, you know, simply put, you don't get a lot of coverage or a lot of takes in four days. You pretty much get one or two on one coverage. So you got to just trust that what you're doing in that time is going to be as good as we can hope it could be. That's, and, and that's, that's again, a kudos and a, and a testament to them. Yeah, definitely, definitely kudos to you guys. That is not an easy feat. And, yeah. you know, listening to input and trying to incorporate that back into the vision, you basically started a company IPO in four days <laughs> to, to basically break it down for our business people listening to the podcast, you know? So right, right. Shout out right, to you. Right. No, yeah, yeah. No. And, and, you know, it's funny that all the, like the business stuff too, it, it's truly attractive to me. I've, I've gotten way more into sort of the business side of things. Uh, the older that I've gotten, you know, I, I came into this business very wide eyed, very green and just want to do it for the love of it. And because of 
sort of the, of the times, you know, back in my twenties, when someone like me wasn't being casted as much, I had to take a pretty hard break, but I then reapproached it about four to five years later from a very specific business mentality. Like I'm a product that I'm selling. Right. And that's, and if, I don't want to make it sound so, uh, 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 you know, superficial right now, but it's like, there's a part of you that has to let go of some of that ego as an artist, right? Because from a business point of view, it's business, right? You're, it's X's and O's. You're just trying to figure out how to get that dollar value of how do you stay in the black? It's like the same thing with the business of you as an actor, as an artist, as a storyteller, as a writer, as a director, and as a producer. Um, there's all those avenues to think about. And I've really, really gotten uh, into the weeds of that over the last you know, five to six years, because it's, it's really important, especially for someone as BIPOC as myself to be in a position to help facilitate more work for other people like myself uh, in the future too. I love that. And I love that you're also mentioning all the different diverse cultural backgrounds that you're trying to incorporate into this movie, which mm -hmm. is really, really important during this time, right? Like yeah. all about, you know, bringing more representation to minority groups. And I just wanted to take a step back. Like, I love the plot of this because I think you start having people talk about it as well, because yeah. like just personally thinking about it, like if I were to, you know, hang out with the people that I met back then, it's, I feel like it's a lot harder to talk about like things in terms of like politics and ethics and stuff like that. It's easy to talk about that stuff for people that you meet in this day, right? Because that's mm -hmm. all that's going mm -hmm. on right now. But right. for people that you've met like a long time ago, like in elementary school, you never really talk about that with them when you were growing up. So like, you know, if you were to see them today in this day and age, like, would you still talk about, you know, politics? How would you approach those conversations with them? So I think you, yeah. you start having people talk about that. Right. And, um, I know that you're, I know you mentioned that you were trying to partner up with like companies and advocacy groups to push for social change and diverse mm -hmm. representation. So like, I want to know how you're planning to do that. And mm -hmm. what do you hope for viewers to take away from, from this, this movie dinner party? Yeah. Um, that's a great question, Maggie. So much there. I want to say the first thing is the theme of this. I don't take the theme of this film lightly, not just from the diverse aspect, but from the avenue of sexual, you know, harassment, sexual assault, because that to me is, you know, that that's that's the the real backbone of the film in a lot of ways, right? And that in those conversations that we have. So the first thing when it comes to advocacy groups and, and places that we love to partner up with is specifically in that in that realm, right? We want to make sure that, you know, we're we're putting out a film that. Uh, not to say honoring, um, but not to say that we're completely disregarding, right? But specifically for survivors as well, like for, for a story where, again, two straight male are talking about a story about sexual assault. I 100% I, I know how that can come across without the proper kind of context. So for us, even myself as a producer, that's why bringing on Imani as a co-producer to help inject certain specific points of views very early on in the scripting process. We do our very first table redraft with all of our actors and we ask them to stick around for 15 minutes, but they end up sticking around for two and a half hours afterwards to talk about the film and give us their insights and their stories. Stories that we took and implemented into the second draft of our film, right? So same kind of way in the way that we would want to push the film outward, uh, you know, through distribution, but through partnering is with groups that can help us in a way that like puts this on a platform that that 
also says that, hey, we're trying to do this the best way and the right way as possible. And there's no, there's no real right way, honestly. It's all perception and it's all like how you view it. But to me, that's really important um, just because I do understand as a consumer how it could come off. So I, I want to make sure that, hey, we're doing the, everything we possibly can. Even I just mentioned Kosser. Um, she uh, runs a, uh, an advocacy groups and uh, I believe it's called Shift the Culture, I believe. Um, uh, and, and there are people that we've talked to as well, just regarding how can we potentially partner with you when it comes to uh, uh, advocating for part of the film, uh, but as long as it makes sense to both of our visions, right? Same thing if it comes to Asian Hustle Network or other Asian American type of platforms that are out there that's pushing for stories that are of, that isn't necessarily Asian, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an American story at the end of the day, it just happens to have all the diverse cultures that you tend to might see in America. Um, so that's why that was another thing where it's not like we're making race a thing of the film. It just happened to be a lot of the conversation because you're looking at, that's how my conversations tend to go. And just naturally at dinner parties or hanging out at a bar with a friend, like you just, it just naturally comes up. Um, so being able to partner up with, with those kinds of groups, whether it's Asian or South Asian or, you know, uh, a black organization groups, like those would be ones that we would love to target and work with. But again, so as long as it, it works for the both of us in, in, the, in the best way, right? There's always going to be a little give and take, but you know, I, I wanted to approach this film as honestly as I could and, and as authentically as I could, but still I'm not denouncing the fact that it's coming from one point of view from as a director, it's my point of view. So I do own that and I understand that as well. So it might not be for everybody and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still have to give you a lot of credit because this speaks volume to who you are as a person. And I guess the conversation that you brought up just now, it's like, it's not an easy conversation to have, right? Because everyone will have different takes on this and different opinions. I guess my question is like, how do you, how do you navigate these conversations internally? Because I'm pretty sure like we, all right, here's social media, right? We see, Mm -hmm. We're going to see a, a lot of heated debates about race and, mm. you know, people mm-hmm. blaming and taking right. credit and all that stuff. Like right. to bring that into a movie. Right. And right. with this movie, obviously there's going to be one big takeaway that we all co- go away and be like, wow, that makes mm. a lot of sense. Like, how do you navigate these conversations internally? Cause I'm pretty sure that some of the, the some of the stuff that you spoke about with your own cast and team and your other and your script writer and, and yourself, it's like, it, it's, it can get pretty heated for so yeah. long. Like basically what the way I see it, it's like, you found you're a politician that found a solution to the, to this race problem. <laughs> that's the way I see it, to be honest. <laughs> oh. So I have to ask you a lot of questions on that because yeah, that's yeah, a hard yeah. topic. Um, internally, now you there, that that's a piece of my mind that you got to see. You know what I'm saying? Just the the back and forth that my mind is kind of always going through. Um, because even you know, uh, um, my, the person who plays Miles Charles, who's a phenomenal actor, and and his point of view, right? The we could sort of say the antagonist, right, in, in the film. But there's certain things that he might say that me as as objectively as I possibly can be can be like, 
well, I guess I kind of get that, you know? So I try to approach it from that way too. Now, don't get me wrong. These people may have sort of a, a gray point of view on some of the nuanced conversations they're having because we don't live in a black and white world, but the act, right? The, 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 the actual act of the, the sexual harassment, that's wrong, black and white, full stop. That is an absolute wrong thing to do. But when it comes to then speculating about something that's happening on TV, when it's speculating about race and how it's affecting the country, all of that is just based on nuanced conversation, right? Um, conversations that I've had a lot with a lot of different friends. Perfect example is again, growing up with um, friends who, you know, don't necessarily, who don't look like me, but we're still great friends and we can have conversations. Um, but even one of those really subtle, like racist statements that was made in the film actually happened to me in real life. And to a point where you're cringing and being like, that can't, that couldn't have possibly happened. But us three sitting here right now can be like, you'd be surprised at the things that shit's been said to us, you know, just very microaggressively, you know, and stuff that we just complicitly let go of, you know, particularly when we were younger, because that time during that time, we might've been a little bit more okay. So I think that, you know, to, to better answer uh, your, your question here through this word salad that I'm giving you is I noticed that my love of film started very, very early on, but my knowledge of the world was still so small when that at that time. And it's just so happening that right now in my life, both of them are coalescing at the same time, right? My, my love for film and my strength of doing it, still wanting to get way better because I can get way better at it. But then also the same thing with knowledge. I can, I can definitely know a lot more, but I'm starting to understand. Um, and, and I say starting like, you know, from years ago, from like four to five, six years ago of understanding how the world is shaped, right? And how, how we're being treated and how we need to kind of push that push that conversation through how I know the best that I can, which is art through film, through writing, through acting, and through bringing the best people that I know involved to tell the story. Um, because like, you know, like you said, in the end, th the hope is that you can finish the film and you look at Maggie and be like, so which one do you feel like you kind of resonate with? Because I do feel like there's, there's a character that anybody can resonate with in this film. Um, it's, it's not, it's not uh, uh, perfectly diverse. I don't have all the cultures out there. That would be just impossible. And pretty much you're just, uh, it's, it, it's more platitude by that point. So you shouldn't be doing it anyway. So it's like, you know, I, I, I wanted to find that right balance that allowed us to have those conversations first in a very more intimate and open and okay way, but then also in a perhaps more heated and boiled up and like, I can't fucking hold back my anger kind of a way because we are fed up and there's plenty of that shit in our world right now that we can say exactly that. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you kind of painted that picture for us too, because I think that goes for anything, like in terms of our love for anything, if it be like what, what business or what industry that we're passionate about, in your case, it's your passion for film and media, right? And then kind of like corresponding that with our understanding of the world. I think that like applies to everything in our life, right? Just kind of meeting, you know, where we get to meet in the middle and like understanding from both perspectives is so, so crucial. Um, and just speaking about your love for film, you know, I want to take it a, a step back and talk about just a little bit about your upbringing and like how you kind of got into this world of producing and writing and filmmaking. And what was your upbringing like? Like how, what, what was your family like? Um, yeah. What kind of led you into getting into this opportunity of, you know, uh, writing and producing? Yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard for yeah. sure. And being, let's be honest here, being Asian American and in like the, the like entertainment space is extremely difficult. It's a lot of gatekeeping mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. In fact, you yeah. sort of 
we feel like you sort of just pushed in and made your own space. We love it. Right. Yeah. How was it? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. I, uh, I, I, it wasn't easy. I, I can't tell anybody right now with a straight face to say like, Oh yeah. You know, it's just, just keep going, just keep going. It's, it's such a generic kind of a advice, right? Like you, you'll be fine. No, there were, there were plenty of times that I felt like, should I hang it up? Should I, like, it doesn't seem like there's a space for me right now out there in this world. Um, and I did, right. I, I did it in a way that stepped away from the acting side of things, but that opened the door up to, to go after producing and directing and writing professionally. And that was, um, in its, uh, in its own thing, a blessing in a disguise, but to take it back a little step further, uh, my, my mother was, my mother was born in Osaka. My father was born in Hong Kong and they met in Lewis and Clark, uh, a college in Oregon. And they were, had nothing to do with art. Like they had, they were, uh, more business oriented. My father, uh, you know, he, he was working as, uh, I can't specifically, he was basically a business consultant, um, for a pretty big firm accounting firm. And, and I was just like this, like small little Asian guy who just like, I watched, I watched Jean-Claude Van Damme videos. I watched Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is what I want to do uh, very naively. And, uh, and that, that was sort of my world at the time. Performing was my thing. I love to dance. So that was my, my first real love acting and performance, right? That was the first thing that really, really drive me towards the storytelling world. Um, and it was only until I started to just pick up a pen and a pencil somewhere around like I don't know, probably my te- like early teens, like my 12 or 13, I just started jotting stuff down, writing stories. And, and <laughs> I remember writing a, <laughs> writing a very, very, very terrible script when I was a freshman uh, in high school, thinking like, this is so cool. I wrote like a 30 page script. Like, look at me, y'all had a, had a pretty cool font that I used on word art, you know, and made up a title page. And I was like, sick. Yeah. Look at me. Um, gosh, I want to pull that somewhere. It was, it had to do with like, Asian gangs versus white gangs. Keep in mind, Calabasas, y'all. Calabasas. This is where I came from. Just like a simple like middle-class neighborhood. So I, I had no idea what I was really writing. But uh, but from there, yeah, like I, I got far more into, like I got my SAG card at a very early age. For uh, SAG is the union that you join for, for actors. And so I was doing that for a good while. I took a break during high school. Um, and then I went to New York for college. And as soon as I came back, I went right, right into it. I went right into the acting, got an agent, but I couldn't get like a theatrical agent. Um, and that specifically means that I can't, I can only audition for film and TV stuff if I have a theatrical agent. Um, and I only had a commercial agent. So vis-a-vis, I could only audition for commercials and it didn't, it really didn't feed my soul. It was really soul sucking, honestly. And I got, it got to a point where I was sitting in a room in, in a casting office with a bunch of people who look like me. And I was like, I do not want to be here right now. And, and that was a huge telling thing. Right. And, and especially in your twenties, these moments can feel so big. And so like, they can they feel so much weight on you. And not only that in your twenties, particularly for me, and that's, I don't want to project that, but I, from what I've talked, who I've talked with, this is kind of true too but we're often looking to our left and our right a lot in our twenties, seeing what other people are doing, see how my friends, and again, my friends who are, you know, all where we all grew up together, none of them are in the business. So they're all like, you know, succeeding as, as lawyers, as, as doctors, as nurses, like they're getting their RNs, like they're getting all this stuff. Right. And all I got was a callback. So I'm like, okay, and this is, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So I took that really hard break and, 
And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I started to view the business as a business. I started to look at the things of how do I take more control and agency of this business that doesn't want me right now, right? And, and like you said, it because of those gatekeepers. So how do I find a way to get access to those gatekeepers? How can I potentially be one of those gatekeepers? How can I open those gates potentially, right? That's the big goal. Um, and that's where, that's where it stemmed from. And full circle, you know, I, I said this to Maggie, I think last week during our pre, but um, my father, you know, he, he was inspired in a lot of ways. He quit his job when, uh, you know, I was off pursuing my dreams. My sister became a music teacher. Um, he quit his job because he, that didn't feed his soul anymore, you know, and he went off to go write books. And now he's like a, uh, uh, like a motivational speaker for, for Japanese companies in Japan. And he gets to go, gets to travel there and gets to work there for like a few months and then comes back golfs and gets to see the grandkids goes back to Japan for a few months. I was like, dude, that's a great life, you know? Um, so, uh, in a lot of ways, I think it's interesting how, uh, like my father, uh, he had creative bones in him. He really did. He wanted to be a disc jockey when he was younger. He wanted to run radio shows, run podcasts. If it was today, this is what he would probably want to be doing. Right. Um, so that, that artistic flair certainly kind of trickled down and, and fell onto me a little bit. And that was, it was just cool to be able to kind of reciprocate that. Um, and, and, and ultimately hope that he's happy too. Cause I'm, I'm sure he is, he's gets to see his, his grandkids all the time. Um, and he gets to work on that golf game. That is amazing. I'm that just goes to show that, you know, anything can happen for you at any moment. I feel like a lot of the times, you know, people want to be a creative, but they think like their cards have been dealt and, you know, they're at the age of, you know, 40 and they still haven't done anything creative, but you know, you just never know. And it seems like your father found a lot of inspiration from you. And I think that's just such an amazing story. It's now shout out. Great thing. You said that like, honestly, shout out to the people who, you know, aren't afraid to take those leaps and bounds whenever they are a stage in their life. I have a friend of mine, Bushra, she quit her corporate job just like last year, two years ago to pursue acting and, and this world full time. And she's starting to see like just even levels of success there. And it's, and she's really pushing for it. So again, it's like, if you really love it, if you really want to do it, it doesn't matter when just do it. Now there it is. I said that generic do it thing again. Oh boy. I did it. We asked Nike to sponsor you. Just <laughs> yeah. For that reason, I will, for that reason, I'll happily, happily take that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the fact that you brought up like this, this is a blessing in disguise. Most of the time when we face adversity and failure, we're just like, oh man, we, a lot of us just give up. Right. But the fact mm-hmm. that you took some time to reflect upon yourself, which is super important. Right. Right. Because the thing with any sort of form of success is that it's, it does, it's not a linear path. It's, it's an up and down path. And yep. the fact that you were persistent enough to realize that this is still something you want to do. And, and now look at what you're doing, right? You're creating mm-hmm. space for more people to get into this world because of certain experience that you felt before. So I just want to highlight that moment that, you know, regardless of how bleak things look in life, you can always change it around and flip it around. It just depends on your perspective. Yeah. Perspective is, is a big part of, of my life these days, like how you view the world and, and how we can, um, you know, how, how you view adversity. Right. I, I just thinking about that, there were certainly times, 
Um, I, I used to do every side hustle job you could think of, like every single one. I, I bartended, I, I waited tables, um, I would take freelance jobs here and there. I would, I became, and that's the fun part is that I actually became stronger in that world because of those freelance gigs, right? Freelance editing, freelance videography. I just became stronger in the fields that I wanted to work more closely in anyway. Um, so those are important from a hustle standpoint, but I know I did other, other jobs too. That was just like, I was doing delivery jobs for a while. And I, I remember, oh man, I, it's, it's amazing what the universe kind of can do in, in the weirdest ways. If you, if you trust and you still believe in it, and if you're, and if you're dedicated to it, right. And if you are open to open to the things you'd be surprised at what the universe can offer you. And I remember sitting in my car doing a delivery. And I remember I was nearly about to break down because I was like, I think I got to like keep doing this for a good while because I don't, if I don't get like a gig soon, I, I got to get more shifts or something. Right. And, and the next day I booked something and it was like, it was, it was a great job. Right. Um, so it's amazing that in those moments, like I, God, I, I go back to even a story with, uh, like Aaron Paul from breaking bad. I don't know if y'all know the story, but right. Like very similar thing happened. He was so close to leaving the business. He even told his mom, I'm about to bounce. And he's like, the mom was like, no, just stick around for a few more months. I'll give you rent money. Just stick around. Um, and then he got breaking bad. And even then Vince Gilligan had to fight to keep him on that role because he was about, because the producers didn't want him. Um, so again, it's just the universe will work out in the craziest ways. But the big but is that manifestation does not work by you just sitting on your couch manifesting it. Manifesting comes by you waking up every day with intention and trying to do what you want to do um, as effectively as you can, but without, but while also trying to maintain a work-life balance um, because you're creating your own luck. And through creating your own luck, the universe will listen at some point. That's my, that's my thought on that. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I feel like nowadays on social media, we romanticize manifestation so much, but then yeah. they leave out such a big part of it, you know, like yeah. everyone says just manifest it and everything will come <laughs> right. true. But right. it really is, you know, on top of manifestation, you really just have to do the work. Right. And it's, it's so important that you brought that up. Um, and just like speaking about mental health and you, you saying like, you know, the universe working, working itself out. Right. I think like, mm -hmm. especially when we're at our lowest of the lows, it's, we tend to look for opportunities even more so than we normally do. Right. Maybe our mm -hmm. eyes widen up. Maybe we're just like yeah. super focused on looking for those opportunities. So I think like for a lot of people, when we are at our lowest, those opportunities do come because we are searching for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you talking about your mental health, um, you know, you feeling like you were super down during that time, especially with like dinner party, just, you know, you having those conversations about race and gender equality and classism. Those are very, very heavy topics. Right. And I'm pretty sure it gets very daunting sometimes to talk about those conversations. And I want to know like how you are managing your mental health right now to just having those conversations so often. Yeah. I guess, we, I guess I want to have say a few words about what you said earlier. Everything you said just really hits home. Um, truth be told, I think, a couple of days ago, I was sitting there. I was like, man, this entrepreneur stuff is so hard. You know, like I started yeah. questioning everything. And yeah. I feel like when you're at the bottom, like 
Yeah, you're right. If you want it, if you want enough, like the university story guides you in the right direction. Like even today, I feel like I felt, I felt, finally felt like I had like a mental break after talking to like my mentors and advisors. I'm mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, this, this is a lot more clarity in what I need to do, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to describe this podcast that feeling of like desperation, where it's like you just want to sit there and yeah. you don't know who to blame but yourself, and you're just really hard on yourself because you're just like, it's not working out, like. Are you just thinking just your mind just goes wild, right? You just start thinking yeah. about like things you could have done correctly or like life would be so much better if I had a full-time job or stuff like right. that, you know? Right. But at mm. the end of the day, it's like, there's this, there's this gut feeling, this fire within that says, shut the hell up. Just do it. Stop complaining. You know, it'll work out. You know, it'll work out. Why are you complaining? Right. And that's <sighs> when you said that, I'm just like, fuck, it hits home for me. And I, I totally felt that. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get goosebumps thinking about, just that right of just it's it's not so much like we we we've we've idolized and and romanticized hustle work we haven't in some or not haven't i don't know if this is true maybe i'm just maybe, maybe i'm just projecting at this point but like but how much have we hustled the mind you know and how much have we overdone that in some ways where it's like we we've like like Maggie said, right? Oh, if you just if you just manifest and not doing the work, you know that's that's enough. That's enough for the, the mind work right here. But you need to find that that specific balance that works for you. Now that's different for everybody. Um, you asked me, Maggie. It's like what? How do you deal, right, from a mental standpoint with all these conversations that you have, especially that are daunting and heavy and and not easy to have? Um, I've I've for me personally, really really started to just count the little things, just really just like the smallest things that, that bring the joy to you take stock of that. Because I I noticed that the older that I've gotten, you know, if we're only measuring our successes based on big successes and big failures, it's tough. That is a tough, tough way to live. Um, Just because you're going to be going up and down all the time. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't celebrate big wins. It shouldn't mean that you should learn from big failures. It just means that you need to find what's that balance for you that tries to keep you even as much as possible so that you can tackle those challenges a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, even-headedly. I don't think that's a word, but level-headedly, something there is, something like that. Um, So, you know, if, if you could find that kind of balance, then... Then I think it's easier for you to take on more, right? Like the, the, the conversations that we have today, it's like, ah, look, I don't, I ain't got the bandwidth for this right now. I don't have the time for this right now. I think boundaries are very, very important, um, especially as Asian Americans. We're often we extend ourselves. You know, we're known to extend ourselves, and and I don't necessarily find that to be a, a bad thing when it comes to like pushing yourself of seeing like you know. Uh, like in the Japanese term genkai, like try to get past that limit, right? Like, you know, fuck it, like get, get, like get past that limit breaker so then you can get to the next level because then you show yourself what you're really capable of through trauma and stress. It's it's like you're you're pressuring that 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 mold into a diamond, right? Um, I think if you can find something like that, then again, you can open yourself up to more, you know, more nuances like these conversations that are not easy to have. Uh, a perfect example is I even you were talking about uh, having these conversations, even with my close friends from, you know, 15, 20 years ago, who, by the way, that we have a group of friends here in Los Angeles, we all live in the same area. And like, like 12 of us were all home, like all hometown friends. And that's so rare to have. And I'm very aware of that. So I'm very humbled and grateful of that. 
Um, but we also have d- tough, t- tough conversations with each other every, every so often too, you know, during when George Floyd happened during when, you know, with, with things that were happening in Atlanta, um, there were a lot of different hard conversations that needed to be had. And the one thing that I kind of even told them was like, look, you're, the, the thing is like, you might be on, you might be my ally. You are my ally. The way that you talk to me, I know that you're my ally. I get that. But when I'm not in the room and you're talking about it, perhaps with other people in your own demographic and nobody else, you have to be the ally at that point. You have to be the one that speaks for us at that point, because otherwise, you know, we're just speaking in a vacuum. The hope is again, going all the way back to dinner parties that hope the hope is that a film like this can do something like that where it can incite that first kind of discourse that kind of dialogue the acknowledgement compassion empathy and then from their action and how do you kind of and how does that manifest yeah i mean that's i mean really really powerful points i just want to say please take care of your mental health because yes the the way that that, i mean some of the things you said is like you start to look at the world differently and you start to understand like how the world works and you, you break it down to like, what is status quo? What is the power dynamics? What, what does anything society even mean? Right. But break it, but break it down. But I mean, like you, you know, you said it the best too, what you had to do this morning was talk to mentors, to your friends, to advisors, right. The people that know you and look after you, uh, when push comes to shove, when your mental health feels like it needs a break, those are the people that you want to rely on. Those are the people that you want to be able to just hit up and talk to and feel like you're in a safe space. And, you know, you, even if it means like going to therapy, like my, my therapist is like, I just, just talked to her last week and we were talking about boundaries and I'm like, yeah, I do need to have more boundaries because I, I'm really open. I really want to, you know, uh, get to know everybody and I want to find the opportunity as much as I can, but sometimes you just, you don't have that time. You don't have the bandwidth for it. So you have to set up those boundaries and you got to be aware of that. So again, like, you know, give yourself that time, give yourself the opportunity to talk to the people that uh, allow you to just breathe, recalibrate, re-energize. Okay. Let's go on. Let's go get this day. And not every day is going to be perfect. I think that's way okay. Um, but I think what's really important is um, this is some, well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could talk about this towards the end. Cause I know you have this one question that you always like to ask. Um, I was, I've been listening to some of your, your podcasts just heads up FYI. Um, so, you know, uh, I know you like to ask like, or uh, what kind of advice you might want to give. So there's something I, I, I certainly would love to share, but, uh, but it all kind of revolves around what we've just been talking about anyway. Yes, that's amazing. I'm so glad to hear that you were listening to our podcast episode. <laughs> Before we get to that last question, I do want to know, you know, um, aside from dinner party and also, you know, you can talk about the goals that you have for dinner party as well, but what are your goals, Chris, for the next year and what's what's really next for you in the next, you know, maybe three to five years? Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I mean, I'm excited, nervous, um, Definitely anxious in a lot of ways, but I have a few projects in the pipeline. Um, as I mentioned, uh, my partner Imani and I, we are working on a project together right now, feature film. Uh, I'm also working with uh, James Hong, legendary you know Hollywood actor. Uh, we're working on a little project, an animated feature as well. Um, I have another animated series that I'm working on, and I'm still very pre- like very development stages right now, just writing the script. Uh, so beyond that, those are like the three things that I want to do. Dinner party. I would love in a world where, you know, 
distribution, like we're going through a festival run. We're going to Scat Savannah Film Festival next week, which we're really excited about. And, you know, once we, you know, hopefully get to that place of distribution to get it to a wide enough audience uh, so then people can, you know, talk about this and generate its own buzz. Uh, but it would be so awesome too if if this film became sort of something what like Dear White People did, which was to create something that could be more anthological, but uh, sort of revolves around, again, just simple settings with simple conversations that have very, very deep and, and kind of uh, uh, sort of a profound type of dialogue that can kind of happen out of it, right? Um, so that would be really, really cool if that did happen where we have some ideas of it. And then uh, acting wise, you know, just this, that's, that's the other rat race, right? Just trying to go through that. Uh, I do have an, an episode of NCIS Hawaii that's coming out in November or December, I think. Uh, so, so yeah, so, you know, again, Hey, I'm, I'm on the Asian hustle network. So that is my current hustle right now for the next few years, but um, perhaps from a more, I guess, like a deeper philosophical state, I would just love to be able to keep doing things that not only just like matter to me, but can be helpful, whether that's providing jobs and opportunities or providing discourse and, and exposure and conversation. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we're just so excited for all the upcoming plans that you have. And we have, you know, no doubt that this dinner party movie will definitely start those conversations. So we will have our last question that you're so excited to answer. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if you could give one advice to um, an aspiring entrepreneur or someone who, you know, is trying to become an actor or a writer or producer, especially in, you know, spaces like these where they're trying to start, you know, very hard conversations, trying to promote good social change, positive change. What would that one advice be? Just one, right? Just one. I only get one. Uh, <laughs> only one. I, uh, only one. So, this was, it's more, this is like really recent and it's a very generalized and unknown um, theme that I think we all, all kind of go through, but I, I sort of found a way that really made sense to me in that moment. And particularly of this time, and it was when I was filming in Hawaii, it was, I was, it was on an off day and I was just walking um, outside the hotel and I was like walking towards to get something I remember. And I just had my AirPods in and I was listening to this song and I, I looked to this next song. I was like, oh, I think this is the song that I, I think I need to hear this song right now. And I played it. And I was like, oh no, I don't want to hear this. This is this isn't the song that I want. But in those like five seconds of deciding, I thought to myself, nah, but hold up, hold up, Chris. Just just go through the whole song. Maybe you need it. Just go through it. And I did. And I was I was so happy that I did. I was so happy that I did. And it kind of made me think about in a very simple way, right? Like this idea of what is it that you truly want versus what is it that you truly need. Right. And then you always have to be able to discern those two things. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to just walk and listen to a different song because my mood wasn't that kind of feeling, but I needed that song because it was going to help shift just a little bit of something inside of me that told me, Hey, my perspective has now changed on this and that's okay. And the same kind of thing can be said about like, man, I just want to go home and take a bath and self-care today because that's, that's what I want. Right. But hold up. Is that what you need right now? Because if you can push past this part that you might not know, the ledge is just only two feet away, but you don't see it, but it's just two feet away and you don't know. What if you just take those extra two steps? And if you get past it, what does that tell you about your own resilience, how much character that you built off of that? 
Now, I'm not discounting anything when it comes down to your own self-care and what you specifically want for yourself. But I think that's something that I felt that was something really important for me of like, oh, I've been getting, I've been at this place where like, oh, I just want that. And I just want this. And it's okay. Cause it's what I want. Right. But I didn't think about it from that place of like, what is it that you need to grow a little bit? And then the third thing that I kind of add to that was what you want versus what you need versus what people expect of you. Now that third one can kind of tie into either one, like they're not mutually exclusive or inclusive to any of those two, but sometimes they can be right. What you want can, can be what people are expecting of you. What you need can be what people are expecting of you as well. Um, Kobe Bryant is one of my, if not my, my biggest motivator in a lot of ways when it comes to just, you know, a real world celebrity who truly changed my life. And he would say something where it's like, you know, there are fans out there who are all the way up in the nosebleeds who saved up all their money all year to come to a single game to watch me play. And I got like a broken foot or a broken thumb, but it's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to go there and play because that's what, that's what I need to do for them. Right. I can stay back cause I want it. But so like, so, you know, so, so that kind of point where it's like, there's that expectation versus the need versus the want, if you can find that right little Venn diagram of where it fits within your vision of what you need right now, not what you need tomorrow. doesn't have to be next week. doesn't have to be, you know, a week, like two day or two years from now, just be present to where you are right now and ask yourself that because then you might be able to have, you, you have all the information in front of you and you might be able to make perhaps a, a stronger decision that could possibly yield to another strong decision tomorrow. Wait, that was so beautiful. (laughs) You said that so eloquently and that made so much sense. And I mean, I, I definitely agree with you just finding that right balance. I mean, it's, it's not easy, but you really have to go find that right balance between those three things and, you know, just, just do it. Just, just do what you believe is, is right. You yeah. definitely been listening to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well prepared answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was, I was, it's funny. I, I haven't actually said that really anywhere else where either. So it's cause it's, it honestly was so fresh. It just happened to me like a few weeks ago and I was like, Whoa, this is it did, not so Keanu Reeves like, but like, Whoa, just, uh, had a moment there. You know, I, 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 um, and it's so simple. We, we all go through it every day, but I felt like it made a little bit more sense today when we are prioritizing things to take care of ourselves, which is very, very important. But I also think that don't, don't lose yourself in the process of, of this business because this business will not wait for you either. The business does not necessarily care if you are self-caring right now. You know, that's, that's just, that's just cold, hard truth in a lot of ways, but you can certainly find people within the business world that will care about it. And those are the people that you obviously want to be gravitating towards because you're still, you're still trying to get out. You're still trying to come up. Um, but you know, if you could do it with the right people, with the right mindset, nothing's going to stop you. Absolutely agree. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Chris. So where can our listeners find out more about you and how can they support dinner party? Yes. Uh, so uh, you can follow me at Chris Naoki Lee. Uh, that's just across the board from Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Sadly, I don't have a TikTok out there from my people out there. Sorry you about that. You have to get a TikTok. I, know. I, was, I was thinking about getting a TikTok for my dog. Is that bad? Is that okay? I was, no, I thought a start. He, 
All right. All right. Oh, Brian, I feel like that's a slippery slope that you know about. You're like, just, uh, just do it. Just uh, start with the dog first and see how you go from there. Yeah. You're going to fall deep into it hard. It's a great oh, distribution. Oh, <laughs> great. Great. Um, and also for uh, dinner party, you can follow it on Instagram at dinner party movie. Um, and yeah, we got some festivals lined up. Uh, we have again, in, at the end of October, we'll be in Scat Savannah film festival. The week after that we'll be in Portland film festival. Um, and then we have a couple more as well, uh, that we're about to announce as well. So. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. It was awesome having you on our podcast. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and keep hustling those people, keep, uh, uh inspiring those hustlers out there. So. You will. Thank you so much. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much. This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asian to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron.